11 different, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are 11 different organ systems, okay, that function, that are vitals for our human uh, living and our condition. So we have to understand we are the temple. God is in us. Um, we, you don't go having the building looking run down on the outside or on the inside. Okay. There's cases like even in Virginia, uh, when we first got to Virginia, you know, there were houses that looked beautiful on the outside. You know, they had nice, well manicured lawns. The, uh, the houses were nice and big and, and tall and eight bedrooms and things like that. But once you go inside is a wreck. Some people were living large on the outside, but the inside was messed up. Matter of fact, some places they didn't even have functioning plumbing because they couldn't pay for it. So what's the use of having something that looks so wonderful on the outside and there's so much disruption inside of the structure or system or temple? So we have to understand that we must understand, we must Hold on and grasp into the promises that God gives us. Because we are in a time where structures and disorders are around us day and night, 24-7, 365. And we must make sure that we don't get tossed to and fro in the winds of disorder. Disorder attempts to appear as something that is good. But when you look beyond the surface, you will see there are tragic malfunctions and things that are trying to oppress your soul and body and mind. Okay, so what the Lord gave me, he gave this made me so strong. Mm. Mm. He said that is one word he gave me when it comes down to all these disorders that are around us. The Lord gave me one word, and this was uh, early. The one word is revolution. Now, before you start going off on a tangent, okay, we're not going to 14th century France or Europe, okay? We just want to give you some foundations that God gave to us as it pertains to health and wellness and caring for our human lives, lihoods, okay? Now, a revolution, look at this, a revolution. Just being very technical and very simple, not being subjective, but objective in what we're saying. A revolution is a sudden, radical, or complete change. That's number one. That's the first definition. A second definition, which is more commonplace, is a fundamental change in political organization, particularly in the overthrow or renunciation of one government or ruler. Now, I'll leave it at that. I would just, if I make it simpler, I would say a fundamental change in leadership by renunciation. Or takeover. You heard in the corporate world, you hear hostile takeovers where one company absorbs another company and they just change the whole leadership structure. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about, revolution. All right. Here is a third definition. First one was a sudden, radical, or complete change. 
The second one is a fundamental change in leadership, making it simple. Now, here's the one that I really want you to really get. And for those who are uh, STEM-based or STEAM-based, science, technology, engineering, you know, art, engineering, and math, okay, this will excite you a little bit, all right? It is, a revolution, is a full cycle of turning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a full cycle of of turning and this is what the lord gave me the earth takes 24 hours to turn itself around as big as the earth is it takes 24 hours on a a julian calendar to turn around one time it takes 365 days on the julian calendar to revolve around its light source, which is the sun. So a revolution, as God has given to me, is a full cycle of turning around in the light. I like that. That's powerful. Oh. <laughs> Universe, one turn. A full cycle of turning in the light. Let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Jesus said, I am the light and the life of men. That's John 1. So when we come to Jesus and we're his light, we turn around from the dark sides and turn towards him in the light. And as we make that full 360, as we experience his light, we grasp hold of that light and reciprocate it as we turn back around to our original direction. Revolve! In the words of Prophet Kirk Franklin, do you want a revolution? Do you want a revolution? Now, let's make it real plain here. (laughs) Uh, It's good to have fun in the Lord. Take this edge off of this fire. All right? Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, I really want to read this out of the message version, okay? So, Romans 1, 12, 1 and 2 from the message, it says, here's what it says. So, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for your life. Excuse me. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Here it comes, the good part, the juicy part. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Mm -hmm. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always drag you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Oh, that message, it, boy, that is, it doesn't get any plainer than that. So when we talk about revolution in the King James Version, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. Transformed, not conform. Transform, not conform. Look at this. this here, here, here come some notes from God. When we turn away from the world, turn to God and turn back into our position in the world because we're in the world but not of the world, you have a revolution. God enlightens us when we turn to him so we can face the world with the light we received from him. Many of us have had our backs turned towards God in the darkness. But as we turn, I know one old preacher say, repent. That's turning. When we turn to God, we experience his glory, his grandeur, his wisdom, his knowledge. And we take that, we receive that, and we go back to where we were so that we can bring that with us. That is a revolution. Amen. Returning as an enlightened person. Returning as an enlightened person who has encountered the light source, mm -hmm. Abba Father. This is a daily revolution. Daily, every day as we encounter God, there's something he would give to us so that we can then turn around and bring that light to the world. As a, one prophet says, new mercies every morning. The fact that we can stand before the light, the light source of the world, and encounter him is mercy in itself. Here it is. God gives us, as we said before, and we'll say it again, and we're going to continue to say this, God gives us power, he gives us love, and he gives us soundness of mind. You're not power, you see, you're not powerless. You're not full of hate. And you're not absent-minded which is literally what the kingdom of darkness wants you to believe. The kingdom of darkness wants you to believe you have no power. They want you to believe that you have to hate everyone and everything. They want you to think that you don't have the right faculties of mind, prophet. 
And it's so important that you just said that because there is a, a practice that we encourage people to all the time. But if you realize that that practice is rooted in what has already been said to us in scripture, and that is the practice of mindfulness. <laughs> You're able to have mindfulness when you have soundness of mind. Absolutely. You're able to respond to things in the present and be aware of your present situation mm -hmm. by staying in that mindfulness of faith, right? Because it talks about now faith. That's in the present. That means you've got to be mindful in the present and you really can't do that without soundness of mind. Oh, we're going to jump into it. Thank you for that injection, uh, uh, that projection of what God is saying. Okay. Hallelujah. Look at this. When God says sound mind, that is our soul, our brain, what he created for us to have cognitive thought and ability. As one rapper would say, mind over matter. He gets that from the scripture. Look at this. Here's something God says. The brain, as we, we touched on it last week, but we're going to jump into it more this week. The brain can confess God's secrets and declare to the body and its environment the proper care to prevent disease of the body and disease of the mind. So when we have that revolution, as we said, as we encounter, as we revolve around our life source, we pick up the power of that light and are able to declare that power into ourselves and into our environment. I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Mm -hmm. Look at this. Mind control is the number one mission in the kingdom of darkness. They want your mind. The adversary doesn't want your money. The adversary doesn't want your property. The adversary wants your mind because if it has your mind... It has your power and it has your love. The mind control, we're dealing with a promise of health in a time of disease. Mind control is a part of our wellness package. What is on your mind? What is your mind declaring to you? What is your mind declaring to your environment? What's in the mind speaks to the body. That's called the nervous system. It communicates through neurons and it sends signals so you even move your body. So you can even move your lips. Not just what you can say, but it makes that body function. There's nerve endings all the way down to that pinky toe. Mm -hmm. When you feel someone stub your pinky toe, that is your mind letting you know that something has attacked. Mm -hmm. If you're mindless, you could be Literally destroyed and don't even know it. That's what's called stroke. People, when their mind stops communicating with the body, the body can't even move. But 
Let me keep moving. Brainwashing, mind control, also known as menticide. That's a term I learned in this process. It's all coercive persuasion. It's called thought control or thought reform and re-education. It is a concept, brainwashing is a concept where the human mind can be altered. Or controlled by psychological techniques. Mm -hmm. People use psychology in order to entrap your mind. They could use it to free it. But. The kingdom of darkness, the adversary wants your mind. Part of wellness, a part of health is having a sound mind. If someone takes the control and the, and the cognitive function from you and re-educate you with things that are not healthy for you, then you are on autopilot to destruction. Amen. Brainwashing is said to reduce its subject's ability to think critically. It reduces the subject, the whatever that mind, the body of that mind, it reduces its ability to think critically and independently. And what it does, it allows new and unwanted thoughts and ideas into their minds. Mm-hmm. It changes attitudes, it changes values, and it can even change beliefs. Mm-hmm. So many people are unhealthy because their mind is taken over. We talked about last week about the pharmacia, the sorcery, the things that were done to make up potions in order to alter the state of the mind of the individual for control. One of the greatest prophets, even though, not a, I don't know if he was proclaimed Christian or not, but his message is something that continues to reverberate 70 years later, George Orwell in 1949 wrote a dystopian novel. If you haven't heard of it, it's called 1984. It basically was having the character of that book was imprisoned and tortured so that his thoughts could be conformed. It was the example of how a totalitarian society can take you, control your mind, and change your attitudes and change your beliefs. Another example of that was in the movie called The Matrix. But we're not going to go far off into those uh, literary and cinematic uh, creative things. But what they were there to give us an awareness that we have to make sure we have sound control of our mind. There is a, uh, a professor emeritus of psychology at Stanford. His name was Philip Zimbardo. Okay, He did many studies like back in the 70s with the psychology of mind control. And he says that mind control is the process 
which an individual or a collective freedom of choice and action is compromised by agents to distort perception, to distort cognition, and for certain behavioral behavioral outcomes. I didn't say that word right, but it's a tongue twister for me. Behavioral, behavioral outcomes. Here it is. Chemical dependencies take away your soundness of mind. Chemical dependencies are in what we said last week, pharmacia, pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, drugs. Chemical dependencies are in the foods that we consume and that are put in our face and trafficked to us. You cannot provide sound judgment and declaration of health and life with an unsound or a retarded. When I say retarded, I mean slow. That's the word. Without a slow, with a slow mind. Like I said before, drugs and various foods contain chemical substances that changes our nervous system function. It results in alterations of our perception and our mood, our consciousness, and behavior. In many cases, you see what's happening now. You see what's happening now with the legalization of many mood-altering substances. Mm -hmm. They say it's used medicinally. And now things are being, you know, legalized for recreational use. And what they're doing is they're allowing you to alter your consciousness. So if your consciousness is altered, then they can bring in belief systems because you're unaware of your intoxication. Prophet. And at this juncture in our society, it is so important to understand that the purpose of legalizing mind-altering substances so that you will... Um, of your own volition, choose to alter your own mind um, is because of what's coming. Mm -hmm. It's It will be easier to control a society that is largely operating with an altered mind than it is to try to control a well-educated, mm -hmm. sober population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I want to gain control faster over a group of people or a nation, then I would allow for mind-altering substances to be legalized at a faster rate than what I would have normally done in the past. And I, I don't think that enough people understand they don't. why these things are being allowed to enter into our society at such a, a accelerated pace. So what happens is, look at this here. 47 million Americans report a mental health condition and use mind-controlling prescriptions. What the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind doesn't mean you make your mind dead. It means reactivating brain cells. It means... Being sharper, it means having the Holy Spirit make your mind function 
on a highly efficient level so that you can understand and recognize the things that are coming to attack you and your environment and your livelihood. There are many scriptures that talk about the mind. Think on these things. If there's virtue, good report, all these different things. Renew your mind. All these scriptures about mind deal with the fact that we want God to keep our mind alive and lit. When there's light, there is an awareness. When there's light, there's clarity. When there's light, there is knowledge. The Lord said to me, and this is what he dropped me into me last week in my studies, that the mind is the mercy seat of the soul. Mm. The mind is the mercy seat of the soul. For those who don't know mercy seat, the mercy seat is what the entire temple was built around. It was the ark. They had Aaron's rod in there. I mean, you, you can study that in your own time. I don't have time to go into that today. But the whole temple was built around the ark. And God would come and sit on the mercy seat during the worship in the temple. That means the light of God, the fire of God would come sit on the mercy seat. So what happens is your mind being the mercy seat of your soul and existence is a place where God sits and he reigns and his light produces its function for clarity, wisdom, and power, and strength. The mercy seat is where God is seated to give you the authority to declare and decree and live and be well. Because in God, there's no darkness at all. So when he comes into your mercy seat, and sits there as the king of king and lord of lords, that is what brings you the power to decree life and health. Look at this. This is one thing that's really, um, I want to say this real quickly. The contents of the mercy seat are reminders of protection, miracles, sustenance and deliverance. So that mercy seat, when we look at it, that mind brings protection to your life. That sound mind brings miracles to your life. It brings sustenance or sustainability, which is the word we use in the design field so much. And it brings deliverance. It helps not to have you get entrapped in vices of the kingdom of darkness. Let the Lord be seated with his grace and his mercy on the seat of your soul. If you block your cognitive function, you nullify the ability for God to reign. So when you're losing your mind, you're losing your ability for God to bring you things that protect you and make you well. Look at this. One of the greatest 
examples of a revolutionary who kept his mind and his faith in God throughout every situation is Daniel. He's one of the greatest revolutionaries, in my opinion, in the Old Testament. I would call him the revolutionary of self-care. As my wife's prophet Shante says so much, self-care is a revolutionary act. That's her slogan. It is an act of turning away from external pressures cycling through and allowing you to encounter what lights your soul and mind. The act, you know, self-care, and this is a definition God gave me, not something I read, but it is an act of turning away from external pressures so that you can encounter what lights your soul and your mind. Think what would happen if the earth stopped for one second. Everything, the gravitational field would end. Things, oh my God. <laughs> There'll be utter destruction. Look at this. The, a day on the earth spinning around is to see the light. You need time to have your mind Connect with what lights your soul. That is self-care. Prophet Shante. That is so powerful because if you think about it, even with our ancestors and the process of enslavement, part of that process of enslavement was to make sure that you didn't have too much time to sit with your soul. <laughs> You weren't allotted time enough to think because thinking is transformative. Right. And transformation leads to revolution. Revolution and revelation. And revelation. Deliverance is in the end of the day. Let's go into it. Let's go into it. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We got some time to go for it. Oh, this, this series is going to go on for the rest of the month, I believe. Turn to Daniel 1, verse 1 through 16. I'm going to read it a little uh, in a more expedited fashion because of our time. Okay. Number one. This from the message. It was the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign on Judah. Daniel 1 verse 1 through 16. It was the third year early in the reign of King Jehoiakim's reign on Judah when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon declared war declared war on Jerusalem and besieged the city the master handed king Jehoiakim of Judah over and excuse me, the master handed king Jehoiakim of Judah over to Nebuchadnezzar along with the furnishings from the temple of God Nebuchadnezzar took the king and the furnishings to the country of Babylon he put the furnishings in his sacred treasury. Now, in verse 3, the king told Asphenaz, head of the palace staff of Babylon, 
to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men who were healthy, handsome, intelligent, well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions in government, perfect specimens. And indoctrinate them into the Babylonian language and the lore of magic and fortune-telling. Oh, my Lord. The king then ordered they be served from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the finest wine of Babylon. Of Babylon. After three years of training, they will be given position in the king's court. Get position, prophet. Now, a lot of people, and I just want to put a brief caveat here. A lot of people look at Daniel's wellness plan and they think it only lasted for 21 days. The 21 days was the test phase. They continued on for years. All right. So look at this. Four young men from Judah, Daniel, Hadaniah, Mishael, and Azariah, were among those selected. The head of the palace staff gave them Babylonian names. A lot of people don't even recognize their names. Daniel was named Belteshazzar. Hadaniah was named Shadrach. Mishael was named Mishael. And Azariah was named Abednego. Abednego. <laughs> okay. But Daniel, look at this. But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. So he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. Wait a minute. Did he ask for an exemption? He asked the head of the palace staff, the chief of staff, to exempt him from the royal diet. The head of the palace staff said, by God's grace, like that he liked Daniel, but warned him, I'm afraid what my master, the king, will do. He is the one who assigned this diet. He is the one who assigned this diet. And if he sees that you're not healthy as the rest, He'll have my head. But Daniel, what? Appealed to the fears of that steward who had been assigned the head of the palace staff in charge. He said, try us out for 10 days on a simple diet of vegetables and water. Simple diet. Then compare us with the young men who eat from the royal menu. Make your decision. Here's the show. Here's the contest. Make your decision on the basis of what you see. The steward agreed to it and fed them vegetables and water for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better, more robust than all the others who had been eating from the royal menu of food and drink served and served them only vegetables. Look at this. Look, it's so much here. It's so much here. It's so much here. Oh, we're not going to get it all today, but I'm going to get some in. <laughs> Narcissistic kings. Nebuchadnezzar 
is one of the top three narcissists in the scripture. He was a ruthless, bloodthirsty colonizer. He was a ruthless, bloodthirsty colonizer going to other lands and taking people captive and bringing them into his own land. Where did that game plan continue to manifest? He took people and made them his slaves. And even of the slaves, he wanted the best intellectuals and healthy young people so that he could brainwash them. Leaders go after the intelligent ones so that if you get those who are intelligent and healthy to, to, to live your message, then you have the rest of everybody else. Prophet. The intelligent, the healthy, the beautiful, which is why we should understand that even with people taking other people captive, they don't take the less of the less. They take the best of the best. Right. They take kings, <clears throat> children, and princes to build a nation. Look at this. He has slaves. These royals and those great people, Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, Azariah, and their original Hebrew names, they were being set up to be brainwashed, to be fortune tellers and magic practitioners, to be sorcerers. And as we said last week, sorcery is also known as pharmakeia, which is a mixing of potions to alter people's minds. Which the word pharmacy has come from. The key to controlling Excuse me, the key to control is a totalitarian, totalitarian order demanding and directing what is to be consumed by the body and the mind. When you are slaves, when people take control of what you can eat and what you can learn and what goes in your body, and what goes in your body you are no longer Free. You are a slave. Nebuchadnezzar demanded that these people that he took as slaves to only partake of what he would give them and only eat what he serves them. Systems of care by authoritarian rule is slavery. Don't miss what I'm saying. I would love to elaborate, but you get what I'm saying. We are in 2021 and we are seeing this very same game plan being exercised upon the populace. The Lord said to me, slavery is led by principalities, by powers, by rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Systems that are created to entice and demand 
are one centered in greed to feed the narcissistic beast. Appetites are for manufactured consumables are upheld by harmful chemicals and they create dependencies, which is sorcery. The word I want to give you, this phrase I want to give you is drug dependency. Not abuse, but drug dependency. The mission of the narcissist is to bring drug dependency for the purpose of control. And they bring that through seduction. Prophet? I was going to say that when you use the word drug dependency, I also want people to understand that you can become dependent on a person's personality. Mm-hmm. That that charisma, that willingness to follow someone without checking the red flags, since the whole society's on red flags lately, the, the, the desire to ignore red flags can cause you to become drug dependent on a person's personality. Exactly, exactly. Not just the physical, as you were talking about with the pharmacia, not just that physical drug, but also the high that you get from the intoxication of that person's presence. Right. See, that's what it is. Because drug dependence is defined as psychic and physical state of a person characterized by behavioral and other responses resulting in compulsions to take a drug on a periodic basis in order to experience the psychic effect. So, Prophet Shante really jumped into where it's going to go here. Thank God. Scientists can be funded by greed. And what they do, they create an appetite to manipulate brain hormones so that these brain hormones are dependent upon such appetites. The brain. The Lord said the brain hormones. This We want to get really technical here. There are brain hormones, dopamine, diamorphine, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, glutamine, and neonephrinephrine. These are chemicals or hormones of the mind. Okay? In short, and, and we'll have to get into this more next week. This will be a good point to get further into next week. But dopamine, in short, is the feel-good hormone. It's associated with pleasurable sensations. Is used for learning, is used for memory. So when people try to put something to affect the dopamine in your natural body, they want to do something to induce a feel-good factor in you that your brain function will connect to. Serotonin is the hormone in the brain. It's a neurotransmitter that helps you sleep. 
It regulates appetite and digestion. So what happens is when people try to tamper with an effect to make you depend your serotonin dependent on various chemicals in food or in medications, they are affecting your ability to sleep and to digest and have the right appetite. Some people can't sleep worth a thing because their serotonin is off balance. Mm -hmm. The other one is oxytocin, which is called the love hormone in the brain. Mm -hmm. It is the hormone that brings trust, empathy, and bonding. That is the one when God says power, love, and a sound mind. Well, oxytocin is what helps you to be able to love and care. So when you have various chemical dependencies or drug dependencies that removes your ability to care, you are dimming your light. God always wants you to care. God always wants you, because God is love. So he put serotonin, I mean oxytocin, in our system, in our brain, as a core function of a chemical and hormone so that we can love one another and care for one another. Most people who are drug dependent or drug abusers, they lose their ability to love and care. Go ahead. This is this is so important. I know we are, are wrapping up, so... Um... But I want to say this, when you talked about that ability to care, oftentimes people who are in people who are in decision making positions have often said they've had to cremate or they've had to crucify their ability to have compassion and care and empathy in order to judge a decision. Whereas in the faith and with believers, the scripture tells us several times that Jesus, before he made a decision about people, what did he do? He looked on them with compassion. Passion. He looked at them through the lens of care. He didn't extract his compassion and say, I'm going to judge this without compassion. Go ahead, Pastor. So <laughs> there's so much here. And we're going to jump more into it next week. But the last three I want to get before, before I pause. Is in you heard the term endorphins. Endorphins are your natural is your body's natural pain reliever. It is what allows your body to respond to stress or discomfort or dis-ease, as we say. Endorphins help. Heal your body. What feeds endorphins? Exercise, proper diet, and actually even for the married, lovemaking. Mm -hmm. So when you are put into slavery and you don't have the ability to eat properly, to exercise, to get sunshine or, or, or to make love, then what happens is your, your brain function goes off kilter. 
its power to heal is reduced. The last two, glutamate. It is a transmitter that goes through your spinal cord that helps your cognition. And it helps your memory. When they say things like muscle memory, like when you work out and have muscle memory, well, glutamate is what helps your muscle to remember the activity that you bring to it. So that actually what happens is you may pause for a second, but once you engage, like riding a bike, your memory function in you helps reactivate things you may have paused on. The last one is neoepinephrine is the one that is about fight or flight. It helps you to have courage. It is the brain function that helps you to have boldness. It is a brain function that allows you to deal with stress properly. Daniel, his hormone of neoepinephrine gave was connected with the light of God to give him courage to challenge the edict of the king. So when you continue to have your revolution, a mental revolution, these hormones in the mind get activated by the light of God and they allow you to be healthy. They allow you to be courageous. They allow you to love. They allow you to have a good, pleasant, uh, enjoyable life, which is the essentials of wellness. So on this, I'm going to pause we have so much more. We'll get more into this in detail next week. But I'm going to turn over to Prophet Shante. So <laughs> she can close us out. And I pray that you got something out of this. Please share this broadcast. Please, please share this thing today. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Wow. I learned quite a bit today. <laughs> Some things I was aware of and um, a lot I was not. But if you have been, uh, if you are a student of the word, you could almost hear in some of these definitions, right? You could almost hear the word of God resonating through these different parts of the way that our bodies have been created and designed, right? We have a creator. We have a designer. We have a maker. And the more that you study even the human systems and the body and the way we operate, the more you can see the intelligent design behind us being created. Because uh, as, as they say in the law of design, the more intelligent a design is, the more it points to a creator. It didn't, we didn't just pop out of anywhere. There was a development and a formation of us as human beings. So I thank God for everything that uh, Apostle has shared with us today. As he said, there's so much here to, to dig into. I encourage you to go back and read Daniel 1. Daniel was facing some things, right? 
there was a, a system in place, a state government system in place that said, you must do these things. But Daniel didn't just go along with the flow. Mm. He appealed. He asked for an exemption. Diplomatically. He said, let me try it God's way. Mm -hmm. Let's test God's way. And let's compare God's way to what y'all are doing over here. <laughs> and because nothing could be, nothing could be found, right? That was deficient with what God had told him to do. He was able to go on with that plan of consecration for his body and his soundness of mind. Um, and as pastor said, very, very clearly, anytime you're getting into a situation where you are losing the ability to have control over your own thoughts and over your own body, you are in step one of slavery. So whether people realize that or not. So we're going to pray into this word and um, close us out today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Father, I pray that those who hear this message, that they would receive this message of wellness, that they would think even on these things, that they would understand, Father, that you have a, an intelligent design that you've given to us, that you want us to be renewed in our mind and transformed in our mind and understand how our mind can help us to be submitted into the mind of Christ. Why do we want the mind of Christ? Because the mind of Christ is that perfect mind. Mm. It is that mind that leads us to the highest parts of ourselves. It is that mind that leads us into the best decisions for our body, soul, and spirit. It is that mind that allows us to stay in a place of wellness, of wholeness, of life, of peace, of joy, of strength. So yes, as believers, we submit our mind into the mind of Christ, knowing and believing that Christ will not lead us astray. And so, Father, we thank you for this word on today. I pray that your people were encouraged. I pray that they were blessed. I pray, Father, that they take time this week for self-care. I take, pray, Father, that they would take time to sit in your presence and allow the light of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation, to bring truth, to bring understanding, to bring wisdom to them so that when they turn back and meet the world's requirements, <laughs> that when they return and they turn to meet society's requirements this week, that they are doing so because they are equipped with the mind of Christ, mm. that they're entering into their week with the mind of Christ, that they're looking at things from the source perspective, from the eternal perspective, from the Christ mind perspective, that they're looking at people through the lens of compassion and empathy and care and love. Let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the mind that said, I can, I can understand what God is saying because his mind is living in me, is giving me the wisdom and direction that I need for my life and my sustainability. So we thank you, Father, for this message. 
We thank you for this guidance. We thank you for this tool this week. And I thank you, Father, that we will be in a place of mindfulness. That we will stay in the present. That we will make time to hear you. That we will make time for the peace of God to rule in our hearts. And that when we find ourselves outside of the place of peace, that it will be a red flag for us to bring it back in, to sit with you and get your wisdom and understanding this week. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen and amen. If you've enjoyed the message,